Tina has mentioned that uh, today is Trinity Sunday, which is about the unity of our God and the interdependent relationship of the Godhead, that we experience God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community at the heart of God we worship, a loving creator who's not distant who comes alongside his creation in need in Jesus and becomes our helper through the Holy Spirit, saving us, healing us, giving us shalom. Today is also MHA Sunday, and as Martin mentioned earlier, we've known it as Methodist Homes Sunday. But this year, it's been called Best Sunday for Ages. You see what they did there? Best Sunday for Ages. Best for Ages is the brand, if you like, that they're putting for all their fundraising work at the moment. Best Sunday for Ages. And it's an opportunity for the Methodist Church across the country to come together to consider how we can support older people and help organizations like MHA, Methodist Homes for the Aged, to reduce loneliness and isolation in the world, to help older people, not just to survive, but to thrive, life in all its fullness. And we can do that today in our our reflection as we look at the Bible and issues together. We can make resolutions to make a difference in the lives of the older people that we know. We can be informed, and we can pray, and we can be generous in our giving. And there will be an opportunity afterwards. There are some envelopes for you to give towards the work of MHA. And the income from our giving helps to provide the services of this uh, charity that's very uh, special to the Methodist Church. Services that actually can make a real difference to the quality of people's lives. The lives of all those elderly people that they serve. Funding chaplains as well, a source of counsel, advice and guidance. Music therapists, uh, giving those with dementia, for example, an opportunity to express their feelings. Live-at-home schemes, community-based schemes, working to make sure that older people don't become cut off or alone in their own home. Now, MHA as a charity provides care, accommodation, and support services uh, for more than 17,000 older people in Britain. And their mission is to improve the quality of life for older people inspired by Christian concern. And so the theme of this service, as well as thinking about the Trinity, is thinking about befriending age. Not simply looking at the work of MHA uh, and the work it's been doing for nearly 75 years, which is a good thing for us to be reminded about, but considering the place of older people in our society, reminding ourselves of ways that we can support them, especially in our church, but also in our community, to support and learn from older people as well, like how we can best plan our own journey of aging, 
by learning from them in their journey. And we're doing it now. We are aging, <laughs> uh, whether we like it or not. Each one of us, uh, some of us are more conscious of it uh, than others. Uh, when you're younger, you don't think about it, but as you get older, you're conscious that you are aging as things ache and uh, you feel like things need to be replaced. Some wise words from my daughter when she was just four. I think everyone has birthdays, even granddads. And to balance that comment, my son Jonathan, when he was three, as his mum's uh, birthday was approaching, said this, 32 is very big, mummy, like up to the ceiling. <laughs> from his viewpoint, as you get older, you get taller. And uh, if you think about it, then Noah, uh, who uh, must have had his head sticking out of the ark, and the oldest man in the Bible, Methuselah, must have been an absolute giant at the age of 969. But how do we look at ageing? Age is more than a number. It's a state of mind, they say. And of course, that's true, but it's more than that. For the most part today, I'm going to be drawing on material that's been produced by MHA. We're going to have three little talks. This is one of them that's nearly concluded. And I want to tell a story of uh, two visits to MHA care homes. And one of, uh, both of them were on the East Coast. In one, there was a sense of sadness. Because as that visit was made, the oldest resident had just died, aged 108. You can imagine the impact on others in the home at that time, but how people were feeling. The other visit was one of humour. A delightful conversation between three residents, which took place after a memorial service. One lady seemed unclear as to how old she was, although she knew she was born in January 1927. The second lady was very proud of the fact that she was 99, and she knew it. And then the gentleman on the end said that he was born in 1919, to which the first lady responded, Oh, yes, after the men came back from the war. <laughs> Our perspectives and expectations change. Old looks different from different places, as I hinted with my children and their uh, uh, comments. But all the while, the reality of our aging society confronts us with sometimes good news but sometimes bad news too. Generally, the media tends to portray ageing as bad news, bed blocking, pension crisis, social care funding crisis, to name a few. Where's the church in all of this? Have we been perhaps a bit too silent on the issue of age? Of course, it's right to focus on youth. We need a balanced program in our churches and in our work. We need to be investing in our children. We need to be investing in our core work. But we mustn't forget those who are older too. And so we're going to move to our prayers. And we'll continue our reflection in a moment. And as Martin leads us, we're going to think, yes, about the work of MHA, 
but we're also going to be praying about the wider world. And as we do that, I have in mind a hymn. I've led so many services in care homes. One of the things that people love doing is singing hymns. And this one's always requested. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Let's do that now. Thank you, Mary Grace. Um, sorry about the, all the names in that particular reading. Caleb approached Joshua, who was coming to the end of his time as leader of Israel, and who was dividing up the land into territories. And as he was doing so, there's this little story about Caleb, a contemporary of Joshua and also a fellow heir. And Caleb tells Joshua how at 40 years of age, Moses had sent him out to explore Canaan and to report back. He went on his mission with a promise, the promise that the land would be his inheritance. He's now 85. He's been faithful. He's still as strong as ever. He was just as vigorous. And now he says, give me my promised inheritance. I wonder whether we have sometimes a limited view of what inheritance is. In other words, in terms of what we inherit from older people rather than what they inherit after a life of faithfulness too. Just about what we receive rather than what we give to. Of course, we know that Christians believe that ultimately we are heirs to a wonderful inheritance in Christ, that this life is not all that there is, that one day we will know all the promises of God, that there will be eternal life, there will be recreation, there's more beyond the grave, and for many older people, that is a really important thing to hold on to, that actually one day we are recreated. We won't have this body forever. We will be set free to be with God. But what about that inheritance now? Because when we believe in Christ, we begin eternal life now, which is punctuated by death, that goes on into eternity. But what about the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven now. The inheritance for faithful people facilitated by the people of God. We pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but do we believe it? But don't those who are faithful deserve something from us? rather than us just think what we might receive from them when they're gone. Our respect, our love, our care, our attention. We live in a world, especially here in the West, that tends to focus more on the young. Old age is often derided or ignored rather than respected, and we could do well to learn from other cultures 
from their respect of age. And as more people live longer, we can't ignore the importance of the elderly and value them. After all, the Bible points us in that direction. Let me just read you a few verses. Leviticus 19, verse 32. Rise in the presence of the aged. I often tell our young people this. Uh, Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. What about Timothy? 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exalt him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I could go on. We should also be aware that there are trials that age brings with it. Trials for the people concerned, but also can be trials for us. Uh, They can also be blessings in the aging as well. I'm sure you've heard, do you know the serenity prayer? The famous serenity prayer. Well, listen to this. This is the senility prayer. Grant me, God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. Quite like that. Older people can get away with that. There are blessings that come with age as well as challenges. But we are living, as I said earlier, in an increasingly aging population. But are we investing into the care for older people or ignoring it. Everyone wants care when they are older. They want their loved ones to be cared for, but we don't want to pay for it. We don't want our taxes to go up, but it may be that we actually need to be generous now for the sake of those we want to care for, but also if we are to inherit care later sacrificial giving now for the future. The former president of the United States of America, Jimmy Carter, once said, the measure of a society is found in how they treat their weakest and their most helpless citizens. The measure of a society is found in how they treat the weakest and most helpless citizens. We've already mentioned about the community of the Godhead, the loving creator who's not distant but comes alongside a world in need. The sacrificial self-giving of God in his son, bringing comfort and healing and enabling and help through his Holy Spirit. Surely there in the Trinity is a model for us for care. Not being distant people from people who are getting old, but to come alongside them in self-giving and in the spirit of wanting to bring comfort and healing to enable and to help in the power of God's spirit. To be a community of love and care where relationship is so important. 
Just think of some of the issues that we face at the moment. We have a funding crisis, austerity, an overstretched NHS, winter issues, concern about how to pay for social care when older, and often feelings of guilt or disappointment when people feel that they won't be able to leave their inheritance to their children because it might get spent on care. We have issues of care quality. We often hear horror stories about care homes. The media narrative is often of bad news. But there's good news too. Yes, we hear of whistleblowers that tell us about people abused in care homes and we wonder how on earth can this happen. But that's not the full story. There are good things happening. Good things because the people called Methodist wanted to make a difference. MHA, for example, uh, is around 80% good or better in surveys about their care, care, and they're aiming to continue towards 100%, in other words, good or outstanding. Our care homes are amongst the best examples of what care is offered and they have 75 years of experience of this, a charity that's committed to doing all that can be doing. And it arose from a group of Methodist people in 1943 towards the end of the Second World War. And these Methodist members wanted to improve the quality of, uh, care, of life for elder pe older people before the creation of the welfare state. And today, Methodists still support that work. But it's one thing to support it with our money, but to actually be caught up into that culture of care within our Christian communities. At one time, MHA mainly had residential homes in the mid, uh, up until the mid-1970s, and then sheltered housing schemes were introduced. But then around 30 years ago, changes were made in response to differing needs. And increasingly, there are diverse experiences of aging, and the charity is seeking to help in all sorts of different ways. Helping people to have a measure of independence and life in all its fullness. Dementia care, nursing care, live-at-home schemes. And most older people will be part of their own community living in their own homes. And the role of the church in supporting that is really important. I wonder whether the relationship of the Methodist church has perhaps become a little bit distant from our care for the elderly. And yet it should be part of our DNA, of being the body of Christ, that interdependent family that values every part, Everyone wants to live a long time, but nobody wants to get old, is the phrase. I wonder if there is some theology to be done, more theology to be done about our care for a changing world. And what's the psychology of that care as well? I'd like us to sing a hymn as we just reflect on some of those things. And it's about ageing being a journey uh, that's brought immense challenge. And let us think about those who journey alongside 
those who are aging. So we sing, when memory fades and recognition falters, you'll recognise the tune very much. Let's stand to sing. Befriending age means coming alongside it. And the message of, of that passage is about pressing on. And yet, unfortunately, many people despair uh, when they get older and feel that they've lost any sense of purpose. Uh, what is there to press on for? There are many people in the Christian community who have become disillusioned, who are nurses and, and carers, uh, who feel sometimes their work is a thankless task, not valued by the community, yet essential for those that they're caring for. The importance of pressing on with the work that God calls us to. Let's play a game of word association. If I say the word, and I'll tell you what the word is in a moment, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Old. Age behind here. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Often it's the F word or the D word, frail or decrepit or words like that. And it shouldn't be. How can we change the perception of age so that age is seen to be something positive and not negative? In a little book by MHA called God, Me and Being Very Old, there's the story told of one of their former residents called Winnie. And towards the end of her life, uh, she was tired. And she used to pray every night that God would take her, almost being disappointed when she awoke in the morning. And I can understand that. My nan, she was a 100 and I can remember going to see her when she was actually in her 90s. And she would say, Tony, I've had enough. I've had enough. And yet, there were days when things were different. When in her care home, Elvis turned up. And they had a sing-along. Not the Elvis. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a miracle. Uh, but actually, that was something that actually gave that day meaning. And they would sing some of the old hymns, which was a spiritual experience for those. And perhaps in those moments, hadn't had enough. There was something. The story of the aging has changed and will continue to change, partly because of the lengthening of the average lifespan, but partly because that we're, there's a lot of stretching that's happening. It's not the case of adding years at the end, but actually thinking about that new time. I think it's been called adulthood two or the third age. Uh, my uh, father actually belongs to the university of the third age. He's got Parkinson's, but he still goes to the groups. And it stimulates him. It gives him a purpose, and he enjoys it. The, writing Catherine, writing Catherine, the writer, Catherine Bateson, uses the analogy of a building extension. If you extend your house, 
It doesn't just create extra space. It affects the way in which all the living spaces are actually used. The way that they're designated as well. Just think about it. If you add a new space to your house, it changes everything, really. But what happens when we're given this gift of extra time in life? What does that do to the whole of the way that we look at life and the human lifespan? Befriending age involves accepting what some will see as an unwanted gift. But it involves Paul's challenge in that epistle reading. How can we enable people to press on with a sense of purpose, not just for that which lies beyond, but for the inheritance that might be there now of quality of life and meaning and purpose and hope? And God gives us a chance to construct a new story of aging, not simply replacing a tale of frailty uh, with that of bungee-jumping grannies, as somebody uh, called it. Aging does still have the features of diminishment and difficulty, but how can we help people to flourish, to still discover, and to have adventure? The Mileses have a a stubborn gene. Uh, They'll know about that in the office. Uh, But thankfully, my father has that stubborn gene, and it's helping him through his Parkinson's. But it's actually changing our lives too, and we're having to think about that as a family. Somebody who's given us so much time in the past, now we're having to think about how we can give him more time. Yes, he's doing lots of things despite the struggle, but he actually needs us now to come alongside him. And at the moment, and Martin will know about this, we've had a a barrage of things that have made aging actually a reality for us. I've just lost uh, a cousin, a second cousin who was old and we're having to respond to her situation and we were appalled to find what circumstances she was living in. We didn't know. She's not close, but we cannot help but feel guilty. Why didn't we know? Why didn't someone notice who was close to her in a different part of the country. We have another um, cousin who we've just heard of who has gone into hospital, and we're having to think about how do we respond to that. It's okay the minister visiting people in the congregation, but what about family? We need to think about how we balance it. We all have busy lives, but how do we actually be the people of God today who are not so busy that we don't actually give of our time and energy to care for those who most need it? How can I use that stubborn gene to actually be alongside people who need it? The writer Marie de Hensil or Henizel put it like this, I have a feeling that the future is bound to be less somber than we think. We will grow old for longer, but in a better way. She continues, we still have to construct a more positive image of this time of life, confront our fears in order to overcome them, and work out a real policy for preventing unhappy old age. Lastly, it's up to us to combat the denial of old age and death by working at growing old. 
That's, I think, what uh, MHA means about befriending old age. It's not just befriending other people's age, it's actually thinking about our own aging. And if we do, that can open up new possibilities. Possibilities of us being the interdependent community of God, where we're in relationship with one another, and if one part suffers, we all suffer. How can we be better at coming alongside people, not living their lives for them or doing everything for them, but enabling them to live, supporting doing and not just opting, allowing them to opt for being? It may take longer, but time shouldn't really always be the issue. The church has much experience of intergenerational work, and it's so important for older people, that we actually apply that experience uh, with those who are close to us. In one MHA home, the relationship with a local school sees residents teaching children how to knit, giving those people in the home the opportunity to share their knowledge with younger people. And those children, in return, are showing them how to use IT, like the phones (laughs) and their computers. What a wonderful example of interdependence. Teaching and learning, learning and teaching. I wonder whether today I can challenge you to think of somebody that you know that you can go out of your way to come alongside, not to do everything for them, but to enable them to have a sense of purpose to inherit a quality of life now that shows that God is with them. God does love them through you and actually gives them that hope of something beyond. One of the wonderful things about MHA is it comes alongside people of faith and no faith, but actually helping them to think about spiritual things too, about hope, about what we believe as Christians because they believe with St. Paul, not that I have already obtained all this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. I pray that we may reflect as we sing our last hymn, which is uh, one that I remember from Cliff College when I was part of a community and we sang it Martin will know about this. I don't know who they still do at every uh, college service that we had. As we sing it, can we sing it as a hymn of community? And as we leave this place today, say, how can I be part of the interdependent community of Christ and come alongside those who most need it? Amen. Let's stand to sing all praise to our redeeming Lord.